right, everyone. Welcome back to another fun episode of Oi with the Terror. I'm one of your hosts, Sandra. And I'm your other host, Danielle. And once again, happy post-Thanksgiving holidays and whatever to everybody. Hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. It's now the period where you can say happy holidays holidays. until like the first week of January. Yep. So every time you write an email or talk to a coworker, it's now an appropriate sign off. Yeah, it is. It's also weird that it's December because I still feel like it's October. I know. It's insane. Like the past few days this week in general, I feel like I've been going by really quickly and I don't know what this means. And Dave just says it means that I'm having a lot of fun. And I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't always (laughs) feel fun. So why is this happening? Adulthood is weird. I was talking about it with my coworkers today because we were talking about like Christmas and like gifts and whatever and like what she's getting her family and I just looked at her and I was like you know you're an adult when you really just want a dust buster or a vacuum yeah that's how you know yeah we got a Dyson recently and it was like the best toy I bought in years like yeah it's like the new kind of like appliance it's just like toys you'd want when you were a kid like it like equals that level right now yeah, I definitely agree. It's like the vacuums or I still kind of want a Roomba. That's kind yeah, of like my Yeah, those dream. are good for apartments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would yeah. recommend that. Yeah, that's still kind of part of like maybe for my birthday next year. Mm. So, but that's how you know you're an adult when you really just want or need a vacuum and you don't want to buy it for yourself. So you put it on your Christmas list. Mm. Or I don't know. Do you have, like, Hanukkah lists? Like, do you tell your parents, like, what you want for Hanukkah? Uh, or is sometimes it just... Sometimes I try to tell my parents, but then my mom just ends up giving me bags of sweaters from TJ Maxx, usually. So I mean... they don't even ask what I want anymore. <laughs> uh, they'll just give me bags filled with sweaters from TJ Maxx. I mean... And I'll probably, like, return half of them. Still, like, that's not the worst thing you can get. (laughs) I mean, can you have too many sweaters? No. Yeah. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, and probably different types of, like, fuzzy socks. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's usually the standard now. Yeah, that's, yeah, sounds about right. But they also still pay my um, phone bill, Mm -hmm. so I guess that's part of the gift. Yeah, that same over here. My dad still pays mine (laughs) because it's cheaper to have, like, a family plan than to just have me pay it. Like, okay, I'm not not arguing. Uh. (laughs) So, anyway, happy holidays, everybody. Um, I guess we'll do Oi's first. Sure. All right. My oi is that I had a flight from, because I was just in Florida for vacation. And I flew back on Saturday and I flew out of 80 degree weather and sunny and flew into 50 degree weather and rainy. So took a little bit of adjusting to remind myself that I'm back in the Northeast. And I also had a little girl behind me that was crying for like the first hour because her ears hurt because of takeoff. And I felt really bad for her because that's not fun. 
no matter your age, that's not fun. So, and what I guess, airline did you use? JetBlue. Okay. Which I feel like they used to be like the cool airline because they were mm-hmm. one of the first that had like the TVs and that like you could watch like live TV or whatever. Mm. Um, but I have to say they had better choices for movies when I was coming back up than they did when I was going down. I always but wondered what the difference it was with like me. how they chose film options for flights. Well, when I went down, I tried to watch like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because I flew down like on Thanksgiving Day and I my flight was during like that time of the parade and it wasn't working because of like issues with like us being up too high or something. So then I just watched a movie. But then on my way up, they just had a lot of holiday movies, a lot of like Christmas movies and stuff to choose from. But I ended up watching Crazy Rich Asians because I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's about the same amount of time as The Flight. Yeah, so that's a good flight movie. Mm-hmm. And then I was starving because I watched them eat like delicious food. And I was like, oh, that all looks really good. What if all the foods they mentioned in the movie was being sold on the plane? I'd be poor. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just planned it out that well that everything mentioned in movies is sold on the planes. Considering their like eat up boxes or whatever which have yeah. like fruit and like cheese are like nine dollars for like tiny portions of food i feel like if that were the case those boxes would be like fifty dollars <laughs> so but i mean overall it was a really good trip it was a good flight down and back and i guess just like my ooh was that i got to spend time with like my sister and my mom and stepdad and who i don't see very often because we all live in Different time zones. So it was good to see everybody and my grandparents. I don't know. What's my oi? Mm. Anything about Thanksgiving? Dave? Hashtag Dave the intern. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's sort of an oi. Um, Dave and I did Thanksgiving apart. And... At first, I didn't think it would be weird because we've done Thanksgiving apart before. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's because we've just been spending so much time together lately that, like, when I went to, I drove to my parents after work and it was actually a little shorter than leaving from my house. So that helped a little bit, but there's still some traffic. So I didn't get to my parents until late. Um, and then pretty much, like, the next day, I was like, it seems slightly weird that we're doing Thanksgiving apart. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like um, I was talking to someone I work with that's like around my age and also married. And she was like, we asked each other what we were doing for Thanksgiving. And she was like, oh, yeah, we're doing like my side this day. And then we're doing his side like either the next day or a few hours later or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's what married people do. That makes <laughs> sense. I mean, assuming both parents both live parties close. live yeah yeah live close by yeah but i was like i mean it's basically mass or new hampshire versus connecticut so mm-hmm. you could drive it might take a while but we could potentially do that but i didn't think about that beforehand so i don't know i was with my parents for like four days and <laughs> it was intense <laughs> but it was fine yeah 
Well, it's funny because my mom asked me like what you and Dave were doing for Thanksgiving for some reason, like we got on the topic of it. I was like, oh, Danielle's like down in, you know, visiting her parents and Dave is like with his. She's like, oh, they're doing it split. And I was like, yeah. She's like, that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I just, I've never thought of doing it that way because with my mm. mom and my dad, it was Connecticut and Maine. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do in one day. So they would do yeah, like- yeah. Christmas with one and then like Thanksgiving with the oh, other. Oh, okay. That's how they would do it. Right. Um, but yeah, years. that's why, I, like, that did, does seem normal. Yeah. Like, but I feel like my parents expect me to go to all the holidays. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's probably another method of doing it. Like, you don't need to, uh, I don't know. It's so hard. Complicated. Yeah. He'll, fi- he'll figure it out. It's also like you guys have been married. I'm gonna say yeah, two. two. <laughs> yeah, it's like two or three, two years. So you guys will like. You'll get your groove. You'll figure it out. And also, most of our marriage has been during COVID stuff, yeah. so we haven't learned these rules yet. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's rules. Hell, you don't even have to spend the holidays with your families if you really don't want to. Wow, that's so. a crazy thought. We're actually not doing New Year's with either of our families, mm-hmm. so it'll be fun. I might be all alone on New Year's, so. Oh, come hang out with us. (laughs) Apparently, Sandra says the first time she met Hashtag Dave the Intern was at New Year's like 12 years ago. Yeah, because it was you, me, and our friend Anna who would always hang out on New Year's Eve when we were in college. And (laughs) you, you had Dave come with you. And so I remember that. I think we were, you met him freshman year? freshman year yes it was 12 years ago which is crazy so Mm -hmm. yeah come a long way since then (laughs) a lot has changed Mm -hmm. but a little has also changed yeah (laughs) it's life isn't it (laughs) oh Oh, you're gonna cut so much of this out (laughs) (laughs) wait you're going first you're the one controlling the situation i'm going first okay so i did i am proud of myself because i sent you a hint granted it was today but i did send it and do you have because i know i actually did appreciate your your guess um because you what did you say it's someone getting married, jumping yeah. over a broom. Which I was like, that is an idea for the future. So thank you for that. You sent me a picture of a broom. I did send you a picture of a broom. So specifically, though, I sent you a picture of what is called a witch's broom. So what I'm talking about or what I'm trying to answer the question to this week is why do witches ride brooms? And I got this idea because I was rereading Harry Potter and it was the third one. Dave and I just watched Harry Potter mm-hmm. yesterday. It's Did all you... over TV. Yeah, because it's that time of year where it's like on every weekend. Mm-hmm. So I was watching it at my grandparents last weekend too. Mm-hmm. But I was reading the third one and there's a part where... He... That's the one we watched, Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, how fortuitous. How weird. But... <laughs> So I was reading the third one, and there's, like, this whole... If you've read the book, there's this whole chapter where Harry's wand or Harry's broom during a Quidditch game gets, like, 
he gets thrown off it because of a Dementor, and then he's out of luck with the broom, and then he mysteriously gets a new one. Um, and then obviously in the book it like continues on, but I was like, why I just wanted to know, like, why do witches ride brooms? Like, where did that idea kind of come from? So it's not completely 100 percent clear uh when the broom itself was first just kind of going a little bit history about the brooms itself um brooms themselves were actually invented but the act of sweeping does go back to ancient times and when people likely used bunches of thin sticks or reeds or other natural fibers to sweep aside dust or ash from a fireplace or a hearth um that household task does kind of date back to the new testament um, which dates the 1st and 2nd centuries AD. And the word broom actually comes from the actual plant or shrub that was used to make many of the early sweeping devices. And then it was gradually replaced the Old English word besom, um, which though both terms appear to have been used till at least the 18th century. And then from the beginning, brooms and besoms were essentially associated primarily with women and this ubiquitous household object became a very pow- powerful symbol of woman, of a female domesticity. So despite all of that little bit of background, um, the first witch to actually confess to riding a broom or a besom was actually a man. And their name, and excuse my pronunciation, was Guilame Edelin. And he was actually a priest from the Saint Germain Live, uh, which was near Paris. He was arrested in 1453, and then he was tried for for witchcraft after publicly criticizing the church's warnings about witches. His confession then came under torture, and he eventually repented, but he was still in prison for life. By the time his of his confession. The idea of witches riding around on broomsticks was already well established, and the earliest known image of witches on brooms does date back to 1451. There are two illustrations that appeared um, in the French poet Martin Lefranc's manuscript, Les Champions des Damas, or The Defender of Ladies, and in these two drawings, one woman soars through the air on a broom, and the other flies abroad on a plain white stick, they are both wearing headscarves that identify themselves as Wallenseans or members of a Christian, or, and I quote, a Christian sect founded in the 12th century who were then branded as heretics by the Catholic Church, um, partly because they allowed women to become priests. There also was an anthropologist by the name of Robin Skelton that suggests the association association between witches and brooms may have actually had roots in the pagan fertility ritual in which rural farmers would essentially leap and dance astride poles or pitchforks or brooms in the light of the full moon to encourage the growth of their crops. This, known as the broomstick dance, uh, became confused with the common accounts of witches flying through the night on their way to orgies and other illicit meetings. Broomsticks were also thought to be part um, to be the perfect vehicles for special ointments and salves that witches would brew and then give themselves the ability to fly, among others, depraved activity. Back in 1324, there was a wealthy Irish widow by the name of Alice Kiteller who was tried for sorcery and heresy 
The investigators reported at that time that in searching her house, they found, and I quote, a pipe of ointment wherewith she greased a staff upon which she ambled and galloped through thick and thin. There is a pharmacologist by the name of David Kroll who wrote in Forbes that alleged witches in the Middle Ages were actually thought to concoct their own brews from such plants, such as deadly nightshade or henbane or even mandrake um, and jimson weed, which would have produced hallucinogenic chemicals known as tropane alkaloids. And according to some historical accounts, rather than ingest these substances by either eating them or drinking them, which would have caused internal distress or intestinal distress, they actually chose to absorb them through their skin, often in the most intimate areas of their bodies. According to his book, Murder, Magic, and Medicine, John Mann actually cited that a 15th century text by the theologian Jordan de Bergamo, who wrote that, quote, the vulgar believe and the witches confess that one on certain days or nights, they anoint a staff and ride it on it to the appointed place and anoint themselves under the arms and in other hairy places. There has been some anxiety over witchcraft legends and or leads to legends um, it is obviously impossible to know whether such stories that have been reported at the height of anxiety over witchcraft in Europe and in the Middle Ages reflected reality or not. Most of what we currently know about the medieval witchcraft today actually comes from the records of religious inquisitors, such as legal officials and testimony from accused witches themselves, often, unfortunately, while being tortured. But in the beginning of the 17th century, there were accounts of witches using broomsticks to fly up over and out of chimneys and became more common, that I guess became more of a commonplace. Even as women became more closely associated with the household and the domestic sphere than ever before, according to one custom, women would prop a broom up outside a door or they would place it up a chimney to let others know that they were away from the home. Um, this is perhaps because of this popular legend was embraced that the idea that witches left their houses through their chimneys, even though very few accused witches ever confessed to actually doing so. Basically, by the 18th century, the popular anxiety about witchcraft had essentially subsided, although there were still plenty of self-identified witches in the U.S. today, thanks to the growth of neo-pagan religious traditions like Wicca. Few of them actually claim to be taken to the skies abroad, uh, their trusty brooms, but the image of witches flying on broomsticks does endure, especially during Halloween. So... That's just a little bit of history as to why people think or as to why the idea of witches riding broomsticks has essentially become popular. Mm. I remember we learned in Salem on the tour that one of the like first things they started selling to get tourists and everything was like broomsticks. Mm-hmm. That was a symbol of witches. Yep. The thing that confused me the most is back in, like, the 17th century where women would, with their custom, like, they'd either prop a broom, like, outside a door or they would place it up a chimney to let others know that they were away from the home. Like, that kind of threw me because I wasn't, I wouldn't think to do that to let others know that, like, I wasn't home. Mm. I just wouldn't be home. So, but it is kind of an interesting idea for that to kind of be connected to, like, oh, like, but because of that, 
you know, there was that legend that was embraced that the witches left their houses through like their chimneys. Even though if you look at things like the Salem witch trials, like none of them ever mentioned like really flying on a broom. So it's just something that like was kind of like interesting for me to look into. And I didn't know about the like hallucinogens and all of that either. Mm. So that was like, and how they didn't like ingest it. They just like wipe it on their skin so it would seep into their bloodstream, which I thought was interesting. I don't know. Some of it was like not what I was expecting when I started this topic. How old is that? How old does that go back? I think to like, it goes back a while. I want to say like 17th or 18th century. Oh. And then the other thing that I found interesting was the broomstick dance. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that. So that was kind of interesting to learn about as well. And how that may have like been misconstrued as like accounts of witches like flying through the night. And then for Mm -hmm. some, because they can't just be flying through the night to go anywhere. They have to be going to like an orgy or like an illicit meeting or something. And women are more connected to the domesticity, like Mm -hmm. acts and like men are. So obviously we do. But I also found it interesting that the first man that actually was like, oh, yeah, I've been on a broom was a guy. And how he confessed to being a witch and riding on a broom. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it would have been like a woman, but it was interesting that it was a man. And then that was used as Quidditch stuff in Harry Potter. Yeah. So like brooms have been connected now due to witchcraft because in like a lot of things like Harry Potter, they've just been connected because you do like when you imagine like an image of like a witch, like you do Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10 think that like they have a broom or that they're going to fly off like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She flew on a broom. So and it's just that continuing like just feeding that legend of like but did mm-hmm. they fly brooms? Like mm-hmm. I don't think they always have. Focus focus it was yep. a vacuum. Yep. Focus it was a vacuum and then in the new one it was like I don't even know Roombas <laughs> or something. Hmm. So, but just that idea of flying on something, of being able to have that power, it's just interesting to see kind of where it stemmed from. Yeah, it's a classic topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a good way to kind of wrap up, even though we've been out of spooky season for a while, to kind of touch base on that a little bit. season my topic isn't related to holidays i'm scared of it you only texted me which is (laughs) i think why i asked you like is this it's literally like a picture of a house that looks like it's being rebuilt in the middle of nowhere all i see is hills and woods so i'm guessing it's like either maine or colorado or somewhere woodsy it is idaho Damn it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so this is a event type thing. It's a shootout, which I haven't done in a while. 
Um, so this is the Ruby Ridge shootout. Sounds vaguely familiar, but... Yeah, so I sent you a photo of Ruby Ridge. Oh, is that what that was? Okay. Yeah, I guess it kind of... I don't know. (laughs) It looks like a house in a forest. That's like all I'm getting. It is a house in a forest, (laughs) so you're right. It was the location of a famous shootout during August 1992 with the FBI, U.S. Marshals, and the family of white separatist. Separatists? Yeah. <laughs> Randy Weaver. I think the story is still remembered today because um, there's a lot of criticism like on or against the FBI because of how everything went down. So people think that a lot of the deaths could have been avoided if they acted less aggressively. So I think that's why it's still remembered today. Um, during the second day of the standoff, Randy's wife, Vicky was killed. Um, his son, Sammy was killed shortly after us marshals killed the weavers dog the 11-day shootout took place at an isolated cabin in Boundary County, Idaho. Randy Weaver's wife, Vicki, his 14-year-old son, Sammy, and U.S. Marshal William Deegan were all killed during the siege. Randy Weaver was a former U.S. Army engineer. In 1983, he moved his family to a cabin he built on Ruby Ridge. Located 40 miles away from the Canadian border, a family friend, Kevin Harris, also stayed with the family for extended periods of time. Randy started experiencing troubles with the U.S. federal government when he attended meetings with the Aryan Nations, a white supremacist group at its compound in Hayden Lake, Idaho, during the late 1980s. Although Randy was not technically a member of the Aryan Nations, he did share similar viewpoints, including white supremacy and anti-government. At one meeting, Randy befriended an informant from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, ATF, who bought two illegal sawed-off shotguns from Randy in October 1989. Federal agents wanted Randy to become an informant for the ATF, or they would pursue a weapons charge against him. Randy was then arrested and released with a trial date set for February 19, 1991, but this was moved to February 20th. But Randy received a letter which incorrectly stated a trial date of March 20th. When Randy did not appear due to the summons, a warrant was issued for his arrest. Randy was indicted by a federal grand jury for failing to appear in court, and a U.S. marshal was sent to arrest him. Because the Weaver family was considered to be armed and dangerous, a plan was drawn up to arrest Randy. On August 21, 1992, Randy's dog found a surveillance team of six heavily armed U.S. marshals inside the Ruby Ridge property lines. One of them shot and killed the dog. This led to violent gunfire from Sammy Weaver, who was shot in the back and killed. 
Harris opened fire and killed Deegan. After the shootings, federal marshals requested assistance from the FBI. They dispatched their hostage rescue team to Ruby Ridge. On August 22nd, Lon Hirokshu, an FBI sniper hiding 200 yards away from the cabin, opened fire when he thought Randy and Harris were preparing to shoot at an FBI helicopter. This was actually the same moment when Randy, Harris, and Sarah were outside to bury Sammy. Um, Sammy's body had been placed in a shed nearby. Randy was hit in the arm, but the second shot hit Randy's wife, Vicky, in the face um, while she was holding their infant daughter behind the front door of the cabin. Harris was also injured. Vicky died shortly after, but her body remained in the cabin for 14 days. Randy and Harris surrendered to federal officials officers a week later. They were charged with various crimes, including murder, conspiracy, and assault. Harris was acquitted on all charges. Randy was convicted of failing to appear for the original firearms charge. At the same time, the FBI received a lot of criticisms regarding the handling of the situation. The Justice Department accused the FBI of failing to gather sufficient intelligence and for failing to order residents of the cabin to surrender before engaging in gunfire. Lon Hirokshi's second sniper shot was found unconstitutional because Harris and Randy were running for cover at the time of the shootings, and they were not considered imminent threats. Lon also endangered innocent people, including children and an unarmed woman, by firing at the door of the cabin. But the U.S. Attorney General found the criminal charges against Lon were unwarranted. Prosecutors in Boundary County, Idaho, did, however, charge Lon Hirokshi with involuntary manslaughter. But the charges were later dismissed as Lon was considered immune from prosecution as he was acting in his official capacity. In 1995, the U.S. government settled a lawsuit brought by Randy Weaver and his three daughters. The controversial standoff spawned a nationwide debate on the use of force by federal law enforcement agencies, and a U.S. Senate panel accused the federal agencies involved of substantial failures in their handling of the Ruby Ridge operation. And that's the end. So that's the shootout at Ruby Ridge. Wow. Never heard of that before. How did you find that topic? I've heard about it from... I don't even know. I've heard about it from multiple sources. Yeah, I don't remember, but I've heard it like probably history channel things or travel channel things. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about how, how many days did they say it took? 20? Wow. I'm not sure in total. Yeah, I think around 20. Yeah, I don't know. Because her body was there for 14 days, so at least two weeks for that. So maybe around 20 or 30. That's crazy. To think that, like, they're just holed up in a cabin for, like, 20 to 30 days. Yeah. 
But yeah, the FBI's behavior is critiqued mm-hmm. a lot now because it's considered like unnecessarily aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so. is unnecessarily kind of aggressive. Especially like if there are, you know, kids there and to kill like a dog and Yeah. I think I was more upset about the dog part, but mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've never heard of that. So good mm-hmm. topic. So thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Oil with the Terror. We release new episodes every Thursday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you can listen to podcasts. Follow and like our posts on Facebook and Instagram, Oil with the Terror. And then the Oil with the Terror Already podcast. If you have any story suggestions, you can email us at oilwiththeterrorready at gmail.com. And we will see you all next week. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye.